Uh, as I said, for the next uh, little bit, I don't know how much longer we'll get back into Psalms, but want to uh, discuss a few more topics. Um, I was the, uh, seemed like everything starts with, I heard somebody say, or I was talking to somebody, um, but uh, I was in a conversation with uh, someone, they were discussing uh, some things concerning uh, preaching. And uh, they had a lot of opinions on what a preacher should do, how they should, uh, what they should preach, and how the preaching should be. Um, and so we got in a pretty lengthy conversation uh, about that. And um, I, I remember, as, as I was talking to them, I remember they were talking about some issues that were going on and uh, things that were uh, taking place back at, uh, this had been, I don't know, a pretty good while ago, I guess. Um, and I, I got to thinking about when uh, I was at the first congregation and uh, uh, preaching and um, dealing with some issues, some things that were going on. Uh, you know, you're young, you think you can fix everything a lot of times, and you don't really have the patience that you should have. And I can remember going to lunch with uh, Thomas Eves. He was holding a meeting at a nearby congregation, and he was the one that uh, kind of... Uh, took me under his wing when I was younger and uh, uh, converted me and uh, took some classes uh, that he taught uh, on preaching and some different things. But he, he made a statement to me. I was going over some things with him, and he made two statements to me that I, I've never forgot, and I thought the first one was kind of harsh, but it ended up being true, and the second one was, was really good advice too. He said, uh, just remember as a preacher two things in a congregation. He said, one, some problems in a congregation, the only thing that will take care of that problem are, is a funeral. And I, I, I didn't get that at first, and then as I did get it, I thought it was kind of a harsh statement, but unfortunately it may be true. <laughs> uh, some people just may not change. Some people may be who they are and, and, and just cause problems, cause division, and to the, your best effort, sometimes that doesn't, it, it just doesn't help. And he said he found in his experience, sometimes you just got to have patience. You got to keep, keep preaching and teaching and hope that it, uh, it helps. But sometimes uh, in certain particular congregations, just a funeral uh, helps. Um, and the other advice was you can't grow a congregation on issues alone. And, and I thought about that statement. And when he made that statement, I went back and looked for probably the last six months that I preached. Um, and it was pretty much 95% issues <laughs> that was going on. I thought, well, if it's going on, I'm, I'm preaching it. Uh, they need to hear it. We're going to get everything straight. Matter of fact, one, I can remember one Sunday night, just how bold I was and, and uh, ignorant that I was. I wrote down on a piece of paper every problem that was in that congregation. Every single problem that I knew of, somebody come to me with, or I dealt with, you know, just different issues. And I wrote every one of them, and I got up and read them from the pulpit that Sunday night. I said, here's what's going on here. And I just went through every single one of them. Then I ripped that paper out. It was real dramatic. I wadded it up, and I threw it out over the pulpit, and I said, no more. I said, this, we, we can't have this here anymore. I said, it's, it, we're you know, not acting like Christians doing this. Um, that didn't go over quite as well as I thought it would, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, 
it did in some instances. Uh, it did. Uh, uh, it did actually. Uh, out of there were fifty there, fifty-two, uh, thirty-two repented that night. Out of fifty-two, I had never seen anything like it, uh, including myself, because I, I felt like I didn't handle some of the issues like I should the right way, and so it was including myself. So I asked one of the elders to to pray uh, for him when I come forward. He said he couldn't because he was coming forward, and another one did, and the, it kind of went. Then the ones who didn't were mad. I mean, they were just furious. And I say that to say this. It, it, it's not, when you think, a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about preaching and how you should preach, the things you could say, the subjects that you should do. And uh, it, it's not an easy task sometimes um, because you get to, you, you preach and you've got to cover a lot of things, uh, and that's why I've enjoyed uh, uh, John's class. I told him last, I think it was last Sunday morning, I said, in 1 Corinthians 7, I found out one thing in his class that, that, that's really sticking to my mind is I'd rather be in the pews when it's covered instead of in the pulpit. Uh, because every time I've ever covered that, it's, it's, sometimes it's not ended well because there's a lot of emotion tied to some of those subjects. Um, so when you, you, you think about these things and you, you realize that as a minister sometimes you get, you, you preach what you think is needed, you preach it the way that you think that you should, uh, sometimes when you're there a while, you know, people like you preaching and then they say you get to know individuals too well, then they think you're not preaching anymore, you're meddling because, you know, you get to know them too well. So there's really sometimes it's a lose-lose situation sometimes or it's a win-win dependent. And I, I just say all this to, to say this. As I was discussing with this individual, uh, as they were discussing with me actually, I actually asked them, I said, you know, what do you think a preacher ought to preach then? They were upset because they were preaching this one subject for a pretty good while. Or they go on and another one came up to conversation. So, well, my preacher, he just preached this. He's been preaching this for six months, this one subject. Or he's been doing this for this, you know. And I said, well, what, how do you think it should be? Uh, is it because it's hitting you and you're not liking it? Is it because you're tired of what it's doing? Um, and, and people have a lot of different opinions. So I, I actually thought about this and I thought, when it comes to preaching, what do we, how do we think preaching should be? Um, first of all, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse 1, it says, I charge you therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ, who would judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of evangelists. Fulfill your ministry. So Paul made it clear uh, what we are to preach. As, as preachers, he said you... You, you, you be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering doctrine. Just from what Paul says here, what do you think the subject matter ought to be? Truth. Well, it ought to be the truth. And it ought to cover a broad spectrum of things, shouldn't it? You've got to be able to reprove, rebuke, exhort. You do it with long-suffering. Uh, you do it as it's needed. It, it, it covers a whole, whole spectrum, but it is preaching the word. Peter reinforced this in 1 Peter 4 and 11. He says, if anyone speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. 
If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability with which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory, dominion forever and ever. The Word of God needs to be preached. And if you ask that question, what should be preached, I think the answer Jerry Gibb would be exactly what you would get. Preach the Word. That's what you're supposed to do, right? But when it comes to preaching the Word, I think that needs to come with some understanding. Uh, and here's why I say that. A person may preach the Word without preaching all of the Word. You think that's possible? Um, I, th I think a preacher can get up and, and preach the, the Word, but they may not preach all of it. They may leave some of it out. They may stay on one subject for months and never go to anything else. Or they may do, you know, you can say, okay, I'm preaching the Word, but you may not be pre preaching all of the Word. And, and ministers, I'm talking from myself and just from experience and, and things that I've been involved in, uh, from, from the pulpit side and from the, the uh, pew side, you know, you can say, well, I preach the Word, but that doesn't mean you preach all the Word. I, I, I've talked at the funeral home to different, they're supposed to be preachers, <laughs> Uh, uh, from different religions that said, oh, I just preach the word. Well, what part of it? What part do you leave out? What do you not, uh, do you cover all of the word? One may preach the word in a matter that overshadows the word. In other words, the word may be part of it. You may, be, you may quote a scripture, you may add a scripture, but you may overshadow that with your own opinions, your own views, and it doesn't mean you can't interject different things but when we say we preach the Word, we need to make sure the Word is the vocal point, right? It can't be opinion. It can't be, okay, this is how I feel it ought to be. And that's the way it should be from either side of the pulpit. I can't sit in the pews and say, I want to hear the Word, but I just want to hear what I think it should be. I just want to hear what, remember, as Paul says here, because there will come a time when individuals don't want to hear the truth, they'll heap up for themselves teachers. What's he mean when he says that? Heap up for yourselves, teachers. Yeah, we'll find somebody who tells us what we want to hear. Uh, and you've probably experienced that just as I have. Somebody come up and ask you a, a, a spiritual question. And uh, you'll, you'll go to God's Word and you'll, you'll look and you'll see, well, here's what the Bible says about it. And they don't like that answer. What do they do? They go and talk to somebody else. And then they'll go talk to somebody else till finally somebody will tell them what they want to hear. You know, that to me is why church discipline is so, uh, is, is kind of ineffective sometimes nowadays, uh, following out different things that the scriptures say to do because one, sometimes congregations, and I'm just speaking generally here, sometimes congregations aren't as close as they need to be. So if, if, if a person is... Uh, uh, if church discipline is practiced, it doesn't matter to them. They wouldn't close to nobody there anyway. Or then they'll go down the road. They'll hear somebody, uh, some other congregation, yeah, come on in. We'll, we believe it this way. Don't worry about what they think. And so there's no, uh, they're not wanting the truth because it's overshadowed by what they feel or think. So when it comes to this, sometimes we may say we're preaching the word, but that doesn't mean we're preaching all of it and doesn't mean that uh, or we want to hear all of it, or it doesn't mean that we're not overshadowing it with our own opinions or wanting to hear it through our own hearing. Okay, here's what it says, but here's what I'm hearing, and this is what I want to do. And, I, and I'm, I've done that. Okay, yeah, this is what it says, but here's how I read that. 
you know, the preacher's got it wrong. I read it like this, and then as I get to studying, I realize the only reason I've seen it like that or wanted to hear it like that is because I wanted to justify something. I wanted to justify my own belief on something. You know, that's why Jesus said many times, ye who has ears to hear, let him hear. Is he saying there were some out in the audience that didn't have, physically have ears? What was he saying when he said that? They didn't want to hear it. Ye who have ears to hear. You, there's a difference in what? Hearing and listening. You know, uh, my wife tells me that a lot. I'll say, I heard you. She said, yeah, but you didn't listen to me. Well, matter of fact, my mama told me that a lot. Everybody tells me that in my life sometimes. So maybe, uh, maybe I need to have my hearing checked. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, or maybe I talk so much I don't hear because I'm talking, but irregardless. But that's, that is what Jesus said, and, and that's, that's true. Sometimes uh, we can, and I've done this before, I, I'll have to admit, and uh, I'd say, say, say any preacher that gets behind the pulpit could probably say this to some extent. Sometimes when you're, you're doing lessons, sometimes we can sometimes take verses out of context to fit the lesson that we're preaching, the topic that we're preaching, the way that we want to preach it. And you've got to be very careful not to do that. The principle may apply, but the context of where, you're, where that verse is, you may be using it out of context to suit what you want to teach. And, and we've got to be careful studying. As a minister, I've got to be careful studying as a Christian that I don't do that, that I don't just try to pick and choose and take verses till I can accumulate them all to, to say what I want it to say. Satan did that, didn't he? He quoted scripture to Jesus himself. But he took it out here. He said, here, the scriptures say this, but that's not what they meant. He took it out of context. And, and we can do that sometime. We've got to be careful. So what I want to do tonight, and it may be a little self-indulgent, and I apologize if it is, but I, I want us to look at some things that uh, on the content or the manner of what a preacher should think that they should do or we as a congregation think that it should be. And hopefully it will give us a, a little bit of help on, on both sides to make sure we're, we're getting what we need to do. Um, first of all, I, I think this is first and foremost. I think you need to preach Jesus. I think it needs to be the forefront of it. But we've got to be careful when we say that because you hear that a lot. I don't want to hear this. I just want to hear Jesus. Well, let's look at this and see if that's what we do. In Acts chapter 8, uh, Acts chapter 8, and this is a little bit lengthy uh, ver, uh, passage here, but in Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 4, notice it says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the thing spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is, uh, is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time, but then they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Both men and women were baptized. So here we have Philip going in after they were scattered. They were scattered because of the great persecution that, that uh, came upon them, uh, the problems that were going on. They were scattered because of it. The word of God was spreading. And when Philip was preaching, notice it says here, 
that he preached the, concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. And he preached in the name of Jesus, and preaching in the name of Jesus, they were baptized. So that tells me there's more than just preaching the person Jesus, isn't there? there there's more to it than that. When, when, when individuals, especially in the denominational world, they say, well, I don't want to hear anything else. I just want to hear about Jesus. What they want to hear is just the person Jesus or just some stories about Jesus or how they have a, this personal relationship with Jesus. And, and is the person Jesus important? Absolutely. But if that's all that Philip preached, how would they have even known to be baptized? Would they have? If, if that's it. So we can say, okay, preaching Jesus is first and foremost, and it should be, but I think we need to understand what's involved in preaching Jesus. Let's look a little bit farther, and start in verse 35. When it comes to uh, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, remember when Philip went to the Ethiopian eunuch, he was called to go there, and he went, and he met him there on the chariot. It says, Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning at the Scriptures, preached Jesus to him, now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went away rejoicing. Now notice, and we know the a little bit of the backstory, and we're going to get into that a little bit. Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading from Isaiah when Philip came there to him, and it says Philip began there and preached Jesus to him. Now, that, that, there's a couple things with that, that that intrigues me. One is, if Philip was like a lot of preachers, it took him a long time to get Jesus from Isaiah. He would have started in a lot of theological things. Of course, we know Isaiah 53 is referring to Jesus, and that's what Philip explained to the eunuch. But somewhere when he got on the chariot, from there to the time they got to water, preaching Jesus meant how to obey him, wouldn't it? Or why would he say, here's water, what does hinder me from being baptized? How would he even done that? If all Philip preached was just Jesus the person, the man, the, just stories about him and, and have a personal relationship with him and these, these theological things that, that happen sometimes and this belief that some have that that's all that preaching Jesus is, you never get to how to obey him, his authority, what, what he came to do, would we? It, it has to involve more than just that. So we may say sometimes, well, I just want, as Paul said, I don't want to know anything from you other than Christ and him crucified. What do you think Paul meant by that when he said that? Did he just mean, just tell me about him being crucified. Tell me about them arresting him, how they beat him. Tell me how they nailed him to the cross. Tell me how they crucified him. You think that's all Paul meant by that? Why did he say just Christ and him crucified? Yeah, because that's what Christianity is hinged on. If he, has, if he didn't go through that and rise again... We're doing all of this for nothing. So what Paul was saying was, I want Christ and Him crucified. I want who He is, what He did, His authority, what He did for us, and now what the plan that set forth that He followed God's will. It, it, it's that whole package. So we can't just say, okay, I want the name of Jesus. I just want to hear about Jesus. We need to ask ourselves, do we truly want to just hear about Jesus? Because if we do, it involves a lot more than just 
the person of who he was when he come and just walked around on the earth. There, there's much more to it than that. We've got to make sure that we're ready for that and we actually want that. Again, preaching Jesus involves more than just preaching the person, but also includes preaching the doctrine. In John 16, beginning at verse 12, he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So he tells here it's even, it, the Spirit is going to reveal this all truth about Jesus of who he is. And it's much more than just the person. It's actually the doctrine of Christ too. So if, if a preacher says, well, I just preach Jesus... Well, you need to hold their feet to the fire and make sure that they do. That that is, that ought to be in the forefront, but it's much more uh, than just the person of Jesus. We, the focus should be upon him above all else, but it, it has to be his authority, who he is. I, I mean, how you, you look at how Philip did that. You, you look, he said, okay, I'm going to preach in the name of Jesus, and he did that, and in two different occasions here, you've got individuals that obeyed the gospel. Somewhere in preaching Jesus has to be the doctrine of Christ. If it's not, then are we truly preaching Jesus? Do I truly want to hear about Jesus? But but the thing is, and I think that's where I think that's where people don't understand, myself included sometimes, I can start at the very beginning of the Bible to the very end and preach Jesus on every subject that's in it. Because everything uh, everything in the Old Testament's leading up to him. Everything in the New Testament is about his last will and testament. So and that's what I'm saying. We, we cheapen it by just saying, when, when you start preaching something that somebody don't want to hear, they say, well, I just want to hear about Jesus. Well, that is about Jesus. You know, it, it should all go to him. It all, should all point to him. Now, uh, as a minister, and I'm just saying for myself, I'm not speaking to anybody else, sometimes I may do a poor job of that. You know, I may get, get hung up on this one part of history in the Bible and not make an application of how it applies to our Lord or how it applies to our lives. And we've got to make sure that we do that. It can't just be, uh, say, I just want to preach Jesus. And I just said, you know, just kind of cheapen it. What about everything else in there? You know, it, it's there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. And there's a broad spectrum of things that's there. Uh, you, know, I, you know, sometimes I think I'll hear sermons sometimes and I'm like, man, I wonder how many times I've heard that, that point from you know, 50 di different preachers. And then I think, 
well, you know, there's only so much in there. You're going to hear it sometimes, sometimes from a different perspective. You know, sometimes, and I have took, I have listened to some ministers and think, well, I've heard this so many times. And then about halfway through it, I'm like, well, I've not heard it like that. I've not thought about that point. I've not thought about it from that, you know, angle. And, and that's why it's so beneficial, you know, to do that. Uh, but preaching Jesus, I think, ought to be at the top of the list. But we have to understand what preaching Jesus is. It's not just about the person. It's not just about that time that he spent here. It's about everything that led up to him and everything that was after him and then what's going to be him at the end. You know, because it's all about him. It's all about God knows the beginning from the end. This plan was involved before he ever created us. And so it has to include that. Any other thoughts? No. Just say. Oh yeah, absolutely. You, you can't, and uh, and I'm actually, you know, I, there's a lot of things that I don't want to say I shied away from earlier as a Christian from the Old Testament that I thought, well, that doesn't apply. You know, that that doesn't mean anything to me. And then later, the more I studied it, I'm like, well, I really missed out. You know, this does apply, and how this fits into here, and it, uh, it it's really amazing of what God puts together for our benefit. If we would just listen to him. Bill, do you have something? Whole council. Oh, we're going to get into that here in just a minute. A absolutely. Absolutely, we do. Uh, so let's move from this. Okay, we, we say, okay, Jesus has to be at the top of the list. Jesus involves, as Bill said, it, it is the whole council of God. The next thing is, I think we need to preach the grace of God. Uh, but again, just like preaching Jesus, I think we need to understand uh, what the grace of God is. There's hope in all men. In Acts 8, begin at verse 24. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And the goodness of God. When it comes to the grace of God, the goodness of God, that's what leads a person uh, I believe, to repentance. And in Romans chapter 2, beginning at verse 4, Oh, do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? You know, you think about the grace of God, a lot of the individuals, again, just think about Jesus coming, think about the New Testament, but you can see the grace of God all through the Bible. Uh, you can see the grace of God with the uh, walls of, uh, of Jericho. You say, well, how's that? Remember when he come up to him and said, I give you this city? That's the grace of God. The grace of God is God's giving us that instruction that we didn't merit, that, that he came to do it. it. It's that gift. You, you think about that gift, but it's that instruction on what to do. When he, told, when he told Joshua, I give you this city, were them walls down at that very time? They wouldn't down, was it? What did he tell him after that? Here's what you do. Grace is the instruction. He didn't have the instruction before. He couldn't do it before. Now he has the ability to do it because he has the instructions and he goes and does uh, what he says to do and the walls come down just as he said. So did, did he give him the city at that very moment? Absolutely he did. Did he come down right then? No, he gave it. The city was in essence down 
because he already gave him instruction to do it. Then it was up to Joshua and the other people whether they followed it or not. So when you think about the grace of God, sometimes we think about, uh, 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 it's by the grace of God I do this, or uh, uh, the grace will cover that. Don't worry about that. Grace covers that. It doesn't matter what you do. Grace is going to cover that. Well, it does matter. Uh, we got to understand what grace is. So it, I, I believe fully that grace is important. We ought to be preaching and teaching and studying about grace, but understanding what grace is, that that's what brings a person to repentance because you get the instructions on how to repent and even know that you need to repent. You know, would we even know we need to repent if we didn't know the instructions of God to begin with? What would there be to repent for? We wouldn't know what sin was, would we? We, we wouldn't know unless we had that instruction from God. So that's what God does for us. Uh, and I think people need to know about the riches of God's grace. Ephesians 1 and verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. How do I get redemption? For my sins. How do, I, how do I get it? Through his blood. How do I come in contact with his blood? Yeah. I say, I wouldn't know that unless God told me, would I? I wouldn't know that without those instructions. I wouldn't know it if it wasn't for the goodness of God. He didn't have to tell us. He didn't have to do any of this, did he? He, he did this because he loves us. And that's a choice. Uh, to me, the greatest, you think about uh, uh, the love of God and teaching on love... I think that goes back to it's a choice. It's, it's an action. God chose to do this before he ever created us. He, he created that plan. He created that instruction. He, he created how that was going to take place. And without that, we would be hopeless. As Jesus said, you're already condemned already. I didn't come to condemn you. You're condemned already. I came to give you something. I came to save you. That's grace, isn't it? I came to give you the instructions on how not to be condemned. I don't have to condemn you. You're condemned already. I come to give you the instructions of how not to be. And I, there's, there's where I think we see the riches uh, of God's grace and the goodness of His grace. Um, I think we also need balance uh, view of grace, and not only a balanced view of grace, but a balanced view of of preaching in general. As I said, I don't think we can uh, just stay on uh, one subject constantly. What if all that we preached is hell? What if all you ever hear a preacher say and talk about is hell? What would that do for you? It'd tell you there's a hell, right? It'd tell you you don't want to go there because how awful it is. But what else would it tell you? nothing it wouldn't tell you how to not be there it wouldn't tell you the glory and the, and the, the rewards of, of of not being there see there, there has to be bad i can't just preach on repentance or i can't just preach on baptism you know i i can't just preach on how how sorry every other congregation out there is they ought to be doing this or you know we, we can't just again just issues we, we can't just take or just things that are going on in the world what if i got up here uh, uh, constantly, and you heard, you know, all month long, it was just one lesson on homosexuality. All you ever heard was a lesson on homosexuality. What, what would that do? You know it's wrong. You, you, we could talk about everything that the Bible says about it, but it's got to be farther than that, right? It, it's just like the, as the Hebrew writer says, you know, you've got to leave the milk 
to get to the meat? What if all you preached on was basic principles? We're about to start a basic principle class, and there needs to be. We need to preach on basic principles. I said, I think sometimes we skip over some of those things. But what if that's all that we heard? And we never got to the meat of the word. Yeah. Well, it'd be just like, what if I just picked one book out of the Bible and that's all that I ever studied? I never studied anything else. I mean, what, what would I get from that? So there has to be, uh, that's what really got me when I, when uh, uh, Thomas E. said that, I went back and looked at uh, some topics, you know, I, I felt like I leaned toward just one thing. It's like my wife told me after a service one time, you think anybody ever go to heaven? Well, sure I do. She said, be nice if you told us every once in a while. And I looked back and, you know, I, I even told her, I said, yeah. I said, I, I, said, I look back, I, I, there was two Sundays I preached on love. She said, yeah, you basically just said if you didn't love, he's going to hell. You know, that's how the sermon on love went. And I looked back and that was, it was pretty negative preaching for about three months. But you don't realize it sometimes. Sometimes it takes a wife, it takes somebody in congregation, it takes somebody to say, you know, it seems like you're leaning toward this, or it seems like this. Now, sometimes there's some that come up and say, I didn't like that preaching, and that's exactly what that individual needed to hear based on actions that I've seen that individual do. So I'm not saying a preacher ought to shy away from anything, but there has to be balance, doesn't there? If there's not balance, as, as Bill said at the very beginning, there has to be the whole counsel of God, not just part of the counsel. In Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodly, worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Notice what it said. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. But then it starts mentioning, here's things you should do. Deny, about denying ungodliness, worldly lust, living soberly, righteously, godly in this present age. All of that involved grace. So sometimes when we think about just grace, we're thinking about how grace just covers everything or, or, or grace is just this. Grace covers a broad spectrum just like preaching the name of Jesus calls it, you know, uh, covers a broad spectrum. So we need to make sure that we're getting a balanced diet from the pulpit and from our study ourselves. That we don't get caught up in just studying uh, just certain things. That we make sure that we're studying the whole counsel of God. It's like a diet. Can, uh, what if all I ate was, even if it's something healthy, say all I ate was broccoli. I can't even imagine. But say that's all I ate. Is broccoli healthy? Is it good for you? But what if that's all that I ate? I didn't eat anything else but broccoli. What would that do other than turning my teeth and tongue green, I guess? Would it do anything else? Would it benefit me over time? Would I be healthy? No, there has to be a, a balance. There has to be some fruits and vegetables. and lean. There has to be all of this, a mixture. That's what makes for a healthy diet. It's no different than Scripture, is it? There has to be a mixture for us to have a healthy diet of God's Word. We're, we're being fed of God's Word. That's, I believe that's why the eldership uh, role is so important, to make sure the congregation is getting a healthy diet of, of everything that we need to sustain us spiritually. Uh, and and that's, a, that's a pretty awesome role to fill 
as an eldership, looking over a congregation, as a minister standing in the pulpit, as a Christian listening and studying ourselves. We need a, a, a steady diet of, of balance when it comes to our preaching. Uh, five minutes. I've got two or three more points. Plainness. I think this is important. Plainness in our preaching. Habakkuk 2.2 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may uh, run who reads it. Remember Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch? Let's go back to that in Acts 8, beginning at verse 30. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and said to him, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And Philip began to sit and teach him. How can I unless someone guides me? Got to make it plain. What if, if, if we're studying with someone or we're, we're preaching or I'm listening for this, I want it, one, where I can understand it, and two, where I can apply it to my lives. What if Philip got in this big theological study that, that even didn't get anything to Jesus? They would have passed that, that water right up. But he, the eunuch even admitted to himself, and, and we've got to admit sometimes, sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we need someone to help us reason uh, out when it comes to the scripture and I, I would like someone as we tell a doctor sometimes you know uh, uh, we were at a doctor not too long ago in, in the ER and the doctor was saying a lot of words and I'm thinking you're going to have to dumb this down a little bit <laughs> I don't understand a word you're saying you know I, uh, I, I, didn't, go to, I didn't go to medical school so you, you, you put it down to where I can understand it you know and I think sometimes we have to understand that as, as our preaching too it needs to be to where we can... i tell you how I, I, I do it, and I think you, we need to better ourselves as much as we can, and I think we need to do the very best we can, but I always think when I'm getting the lesson up, and I, I, I know a lot of preachers that I respect do the same thing, if I don't understand it, I don't expect anybody else to. You know, So I, I want to put it to where if I understand it, and I'm, I'm a pretty low level, so that should be out there where somebody else can. That don't mean you don't get into the meat of the word. That doesn't mean you don't handle some hard topics and get into some difficult things. But the Bible is where we can all understand it. And we need to make sure we can present it that way. I remember Thomas Eves told me one time, and it's not that I used a lot of big words in his class during the sermon because I don't know a lot of big words. But when he got done, his first comment to me was, I don't understand what your point was. And I said, what do you mean you don't understand what point was? He said, you said a lot of things, but I, I don't understand what's your point. Well, what were you trying to get me to understand? What were you trying to accomplish? What did you want the end result to be when you got done preaching? I said, well, I would hope people would obey the gospel or repent if they needed to. He said, I couldn't with that. I didn't understand it. I don't understand where you were going with that. Well, it made me feel about that high, you know. He didn't pull no punches. <laughs> But it, it did help me to realize I started looking and I couldn't explain to him what I was trying to get across. And he told me, he said, if you can't explain it, how do you expect me to understand it coming from you? And I said, well, you know what I'm talking about. He said, well, I, I, I'm sure I would, but I'm just saying if I'm sitting in the audience listening to you, I didn't know what you were trying to accomplish. I didn't feel like you knew how to explain it. He said, so you've got to know how to explain it if you want me to understand it. And, and that went a long way with me too. I don't know if I follow it you know, as much as I should. I know what I'm trying to explain from my head. But I think it ought to be plain and it ought to be application. I, I think if we get up here as preaching, if, if you're talking about doctrine and principle, there needs to be application with it also. 
You know, how, how does this benefit me? How, how do I apply this to my life? Does it apply to me here? How can I teach it to someone else? So I think there needs to be plain preaching. It says here, make it plain. And I think that's what Philip did. He made it plain where the Ethiopian eunuch um, could understand it. I, and this isn't a quote from me that someone said. It says there's a difference in teaching a subject and teaching people. There's a difference in that. Uh, you're not teaching a subject, you're teaching people, and you're teaching people a subject. And that subject is the gospel. And I think that needs to be at the, the forefront. There needs to be relevance uh, to our preaching. 2 Timothy 4 and 2, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort. In season, out of season, what does that mean? It needs to be relevant. It needs to be the times. It needs to be things that applies to our lives. No matter where we find it in Scripture, just like you can preach Jesus from anywhere in Scripture, you can preach about the time in which we're living anywhere in Scripture to apply to our lives. We need to make sure that we stay relevant. Uh, don't be afraid to, to uh, uh, tackle the hard stuff because there's, uh, uh, there's some hard things to teach that are difficult as far as the subject matter. Um, and sometimes it's not easy because there's emotions attached or other things and it becomes difficult. Uh, and finally, I think there needs to be urgency. Um, in Acts 8, 29 through 30, I like how it says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him. There needs to be an urgency in our preaching. And we need to make sure that we understand uh, what that urgency is. So that's just a few thoughts. And, and the reason, as I said, make sure what we realize from setting from the pew, especially what we think we're getting out of our studies, not just preaching, but our actual personal studies, and from the pulpit, is it a good balance of what we need? Or is it because I don't want a full balance? And I think that's what it is sometimes. I don't want that. And there's some preachers that don't want that. Uh, some preachers, I, myself included sometimes, we like to get on a little soapbox and we like to, we have our own things that we want to do. And we've got to make sure that we do the best we can for the listeners that are here. Okay.